Well, hello, Philadelphia fans. I'm David Thornburg, President and CEO of the Committee of 70, and this is episode 34 of 20 by 70, the podcast for folks who expect more from Philadelphia. So we're glad to be back. It's been since early August that we cut our last episode, and a few things have happened in the interim in the political world. And for those of you who were asleep or away, let me just do a quick highlight reel. I liked beer. I still like beer. First of all, we had the transfixing spectacle of the Brett Kavanaugh hearings to be nominated to the Supreme Court. What do you consider to be too many beers? I don't know. Uh, you know, we, whatever the chart says uh, on your blood alcohol chart. Second of all, in the one and only gubernatorial debate here in Pennsylvania, we watched as Alex Trebek, yup, of Jeopardy fame, managed to dominate the debate and, in fact, seemed to be more running as his own candidate than he was moderating the conversation between uh, Scott Wagner and Tom Wolfe. Yes or no question. Have you ever said anything negative about your opponent that you knew was not true? No. Governor? Uh, not that I remember, no. <laughs> and finally, and perhaps most searingly to those who are fans of, of Philadelphia and Philadelphia sports, we watched uh, the newest member of the Philadelphia mascot lineup enter the stage. Yes, I'm talking about Gritty, the new Philadelphia Flyers mascot. Gritty unveiled today in front of a group of kids, probably scarred for life. It wasn't more than a week before Gritty became not only a mascot icon, but entered the, the political foray and found himself in the midst of the political debates of the day. So it's been a busy summer here in Philadelphia. But today we're trying to bring things back home to the people and issues and causes that we care most about at the Committee of 70. And uh, in that lane, one of the things that we care most about is encouraging active participation among the millennial generation uh, and finding ways for folks to uh, take on leadership roles here in Philadelphia, in the political process, and in, in our civic life. So, uh, and we've been hard at work on that uh, the last few years. One of the things that we're most proud of is that we launched a unique uh, fellowship program called the Buckholz Fellows, uh, which was named after a late board member of ours, Car Carl Buckholz, who died too soon but was an, an active member of the of political and civic leadership uh, community here in Philadelphia, even as he held down significant roles uh, in the legal profession. So in his honor, uh, we created an opportunity for uh, each year a class of emerging civic leaders to join our board at the Committee of 70, the venerable board of the venerable organization, uh, to give them a chance to exercise their civic leadership potential, learn a few things, meet some people, uh, and make a contribution to uh, the larger community. So uh, we're going to start today's episode with a conversation with two of those Buckholz fellows. We have a class of six uh, that's just joined us a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to introduce them to you. 
First, uh, we'll start with uh, Kaylee Wirtz, who is External Affairs Manager uh, at the Urban Affairs Coalition here in Philadelphia. Welcome, Kaylee. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, also joining us is Harper Selden, who is an associate at Cozen O'Connor, the law firm here in Philadelphia. So, Harper, welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's just as- establish the basics, uh, and then we'll see where that leads us. So, Kaylee, tell us a little bit about your Philadelphia story. What what brought you here, if you're not from here? Wh- what, what got you to where you are today? Uh, and uh, kind of your impressions of the scene circa 2018. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So I am originally from the West Coast. I grew up in California um, on, you know, there's mountains on one side and there's oceans on the other side. So kind of a very picturesque rural spot, um, you know, where where there's lots of wine, lots of strawberries, things like that. I went to school out there and then I felt very wrapped up kind of in this California world. Um, it's, It's just like you think it is. You know, all of the things you've ever seen about California, I will contest they are true. Every TV show ever Every made. TV show, everything. It's yeah. absolutely true. So what brought you here? So I was like, I got to get out, see some other things, travel a little bit. Um, so I did one year. I actually did a year in, of AmeriCorps in Washington State. And then I wasn't quite ready, was debating grad school, what, what my next step was. And so I decided to do another year of AmeriCorps. And I got selected for, I could either go to Tillamook, Oregon, which is about a population of like about 5,000. Very similar to Philadelphia. Very similar, exactly. Tillamook cheese uh, is made there. So I could have stayed there or I could have come to Philadelphia. And so, you know, history has it. I'm here. I did a year um, in AmeriCorps at a local nonprofit and then applied to graduate school, again, looking beyond Philadelphia, but ended up staying here, going to Fells at the University of Pennsylvania And then while I was at Penn, uh, during kind of the interim, the summer in between my two years, I interned at the Urban Affairs Coalition, was like, let me try out this kind of affordable housing, economic equality. I'd previously been more primarily in public health, and I just loved it, kind of really gravitated towards it, started working with the Community Reinvestment Act requirements, um, a lot of CRA lending, and you know, have, have taken on um, a bigger role within the Urban Affairs Coalition since, you know, about two and a half years ago. Great. So kind of just grown throughout and that. And your CEO, who's a longtime friend, Charmaine Matlock-Turner, yep. uh, is one of the great civic leaders in, yes. in Philadelphia. And my understanding of the roots of the Urban Affairs Coalition is it goes back to the late 60s and was one attempt to try to bring the business sector and the political sector and the civic sector together to kind of tackle big problems and challenges uh, in the Philadelphia region. So you're, you're, you're in a good place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Harper, let's, uh, let's go to you, your sort of uh, origin story as you know it. Well, so <laughs> I'm not from Philadelphia, but I'm trying to be, is the, uh, is the way that I put it. Um, I grew up up and down the East Coast um, and came to Philadelphia for college at Penn. And, you know, I just remember walking on campus and thinking, this is the city for me. Um, and I've been here ever since. Um, I was a history major at Penn. Um, I spent a lot of time in the urban studies department, um, which is very um, focused on the history of Philadelphia and how the city developed spatially, um, which really gave me a true love and appreciation for for the history of Philadelphia. Um, I then stayed uh, for law school at Penn, um, and Penn Law is very committed to the Philadelphia area. They do a lot with local nonprofits and legal organizations. Um, and so after that, how could I leave? <laughs> and uh, 
So I we hooked you. <laughs> yeah, no, you got me. Got me from day one. Um, if it wasn't the uh, civic life, it was the food trucks. So uh, <laughs> hard to walk away from either. We have the best food truck culture in the country, don't you think? I think if I, not I, the world, absolutely. I no. represent both West Coast and East Coast. I could say that's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so then after law school, I uh, clerked uh, for a federal judge, uh, Judge Stuart Dalzell, who's since retired in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania for two years, and now I've been a commercial litigation associate at Cozen O'Connor since. And Cozen is a Philly, well, we're a national, international firm now, but we started in Philadelphia, and we're very much still a Philadelphia firm. And one of the reasons that I wanted to work there was that Cozen O'Connor is also very committed to the cities it's in, especially Philadelphia. And so I know that they're deeply intermingled with civic life, and so that was the place for me. Of course, Tad Decker, one of your partners, has been a a great leader Committee of 70 for a long time. So, yeah. so uh, uh, you applied for the Buckholtz uh, Fellowship, um, and I, I have to say it was a very competitive process. Uh, these are not easy choices, so congratulations to both of you for making it through the ringer uh, and end up being selected. But I'm just uh, curious if you could share with folks, like, what 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 are your sort of civic passions? Like, what do you care about? What are the causes that inspire you to go to, you know, one more uh, meeting early or late or take on a volunteer role. Kaylee, just start with you. Yeah. So my work prior in AmeriCorps as well as with the Urban Affairs Coalition has been really community-based. I've been kind of out there talking to people. I, I work a lot with our financial education, so I'm, I'm in all corners of the city. Sometimes, you know, this next week I'm going to be in a church basement just, you know, running a workshop. So I get to talk to a lot of community members, leaders, and really seeing that they don't feel empowered by the current political system. They, they kind of don't really know how it operates, and they kind of just want to ignore it because they see it as, as something that is pushing them down rather than lifting them up. And so I, you know, this, this fellowship I think is particularly interesting because I'm seeing that they are, um, you know, they're, they're not feeling this empowerment. They're having a difficult time uh, getting to a, a better place than where they are now. You know, they're, they're in various levels. You know, we work primarily with low and moderate income individuals and community members. And so, you know, I thought this fellowship would be a great way to kind of bring those two things together. I've primarily worked in the nonprofit sector my entire career. And so bringing in the political side and saying, hey, you do have a voice, you know, you are empowered. Um, you know, I, I want to help them um, feel that especially the women uh, that we work with a lot of the the women and the the especially those that are in the low or moderate right. income um, particularly are feeling kind of that pressure I think especially with everything that's been going on in this political environment um, so you know I think we're feeling the power from below um, now with a lot of the things that have been happening but really helping them to know that that they do have a voice here that they belong here that this is you know that our uh, city council members that are at-large members, you know, everyone is is there to support, to represent, to be part of them, and they, they really should be involved. Right. Yeah, so it, it strikes me, Carly, somebody could write a pretty good book called uh, Lessons Learned in Church Basements. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of literal ground truth uh, when you are in that kind of setting. Um, so, Harper, uh, over to you. What inspires you? What what passions do you do you bring to this fellowship or to your civic activity? You know, the the two issues that I think about a lot are access and privilege. Um, You know, I think in the last couple of years especially, um, I know as a lawyer and other lawyers that I know, especially young lawyers have thought a lot about, 
you know, how should we be involved? It's not enough to do pro bono work, um, although that is very important and something that, that I do and that my firm supports. But how can we, we really be not only civically engaged, but civic leaders? And to me, there are two components of that. The first is getting folks who already have a great deal of privilege in the political process, whether or not they know it, to realize it and to use it. And so the way that I think about that is, you know, if you know who to contact in local government, um, if you are able to actually get to your polling place, you know, if you have the ability, even in small amounts, to fundraise for whatever cause you support, to me, that's an incredible amount of privilege. And with that comes the responsibility to ensure access for other people, people for whom even what we think of as very small donations of 10 or $15 to whatever cause it may be is really a struggle or people for whom just getting registered to vote, just making it to the polls, just understanding the ballot is a struggle. And so for me, um, what really gets me fired up about Philadelphia is that I think we have such a strong history here of grassroots work and neighborhood-based work and um, really getting all of Philadelphia to the table is something I feel strongly about. So uh, we'll just spend a minute talking about the, the Buckholz Fellowship. Uh, you're members of the Community 70 Board for a year. We've already been putting you to work. Uh, probably, <laughs> uh, I hope that's okay with your respective employers. Absolutely. Let us know. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the, again, in the spirit of uh, Carl Buckholz, our former uh, board member, uh, we, we want you folks to take on a significant project uh, in the course of this year. Um, and that centered around this We Vote initiative, which I'll ask you to talk about in a minute, but which was conceived of by the first class of uh, Buckholz Fellows, what we call Buckholz 1.0, that was a comprehensive initiative to, to, to strengthen the culture of voting here in Philadelphia. And uh, they sort of, uh, you know, gave birth to the baby, and now it's it's your turn to take over the parental role and uh, and raise the child at least to adolescence. So I'm just interested, uh, I just talked about this in, in broad strokes, but for each of you, what is this, how are you thinking about this We Vote initiative, the, the culture voting? I mean, one of the, the data points that we have to live with is that folks of your generation simply don't vote very often. Might change come November 6th? Maybe yes, maybe no, but uh, so we've got a big challenge in front of us. So uh, Kaylee, how, how do you think think about this We Vote initiative and where do you think the opportunities are and what's got to happen for it to work? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a big part of the We Vote initiative that I really grabbed onto and is kind of the major component is this idea that it's part of your identity. I am a voter. You know, myself, I'm a, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm an advocate, and I'm a voter. Uh, and so we want that to just be something that you know, people want to put in their bios almost, um, you know, something that they feel really proud about. That would be cool, actually, if, if it were, you know, uh, on your resume, it said, you know, voted in every election since I could yeah. vote. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. Huh. I mean, yeah. I'm going to be honest, I did not vote in college. I didn't do a lot of political um, work in California. We were just like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. Like, we didn't really think much about it. And then, you know, growing up, especially being here in Philly, you see it's super important. It is so critical. Even if you are in California, you know, yeah. I very highly encourage all of my California friends to still be taking on, you know, they're doing all kinds of crazy initiatives over there that that certainly needs support. Um, but really here, uh, you know, taking that on and, and really putting this as part of your identity and, and getting them younger. I think it's hard 
for millennials, I think the system seems all conglomerate and yeah. huge. And it's like, well, how do you break this down? And we got wards and committees and at large and district. And it's like, how do you make this work? And it's, it's actually, you know, you kind of narrow it down. I think Committee of 70 does a fantastic job breaking this down, figuring out exactly which ward you're in, you know, what your representative, state, uh, local, city council, et cetera, and, and being able to say, hey, these are the couple of people. And it's cool that there are so many. You know, you have – I have five people I can go to for various different things. And it's, I think including that, um, you know, helping them break it down, you know, making it manageable. It's not these – a hundred people. It's, you know, you have these five that are representing you and you want them to be the best that actually represent you yeah. um, as a voter. I, I've heard uh, a variety of different pitches to millennials about the importance of voting. I have to say one of my favorites is, is simply this. If you're okay with your grandparents making decisions oh for the issues that affect you. <laughs> That's a good one. Schools, streets, crime, taxes, like just stay home. <laughs> it's easy. If you're not, however, you, you have to show up. Harper, what about you? What, what about this We Vote sort of resonates? Uh, how, how, how do you think we can make some headway on this? You know, I one of the things that I've thought a lot about recently is if you want to get politically involved, what do you do? And the answer is you have to leave your house. You have to leave your computer, um, which, you know, for my generation. That's a big jump no, for, right for, there. For me personally, this is like I have to do what? <laughs> I don't even buy movie tickets in person anymore. If I even go to the movies, I buy them online. So this idea of having to show yeah. up somewhere in person is sort of mortifying. But, you know, I think about people who've become politically involved primarily through protests recently, which only works if you show up. And voting is the same way. And that's a t that's a time when your voice really does matter. It is literally counted. Yep. And so I think one of the other aspects of the We Vote initiative is um, getting people to understand that it matters, that not only does your vote matter, but the participation is what matters, is that if we have a community of people and, and a generation that says, you know what, when it's election day, we all show up. And if we can't show up, we send in an absentee ballot. Yep. You know, we make it happen. And yep. so I think that that, to me, is what's really important is that you say you make time for things that are priorities. Voting is a priority. Make yeah. it happen. It's not unlike what people say about exercise. Like you're telling me you can't find 20 minutes in your day to <laughs> yeah. take a walk or – Well, you know. and this is like on an annual basis. That's right. So, like, it's, well, that's right. Twice a year, maybe you could find 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I have to put a plug in for this cool new app, uh, which was developed for us by a great company here in Philadelphia called Milk Crate. Uh, it was just launched the other day. It's uh, if you search the app for by uh, for We Vote by the Committee of Seventy. This is one tool that we're putting out there to help enable this uh, culture of voting, uh, and it's sort of everything that Committee of Seventy does at your fingertips. So you can learn where your polling place is, who your elected official is. You can look at your own and others' voting records and encourage people to vote. You can design your own ballot and save it to your and send it to yourself and your friends and so forth. So. Um, uh, we're really thrilled to have this this tool in the field and hope that it really adds to the, the power of this We Vote initiative. Um, last thoughts. Uh, what either do you love most about Philadelphia or what about Philadelphia drives you most crazy? What I mostly love is the grittiness of it with a shout out to Gritty. There, there's Gritty again. Uh, love I'm telling you, he's killing it. Oh, I'm, I'm obsessed. Um <laughs> I, you know, that's something that you don't really find on the West Coast. Um, and I 
you know, it was difficult moving. And I will say that the communication styles from West to East are incredibly different. Um, got used to people being a little bit more forward about their intentions. In which, your face? You know, to put it lightly. Um, yeah. So, you know, people are a lot more blunt. They will let you know uh, what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right. But once they love you, you know it's an actual love. It's not like a West Coast Fake-o. fake girl love. It's like, we embrace you. You are one of us. You know, you're you're now a Philadelphian and, you know, we'll, we'll like take a bullet for you. Uh, Harper and Kaylee, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, welcome to the board of the Committee of 70 and uh, we look forward to great things from you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we're back for round two of episode 34 of 20 by 70. I still am David Thornburg, president and CEO of the Committee of 70, and uh, and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by uh, Becca Gable, whose day gig is a senior manager for business development at the Barnes Foundation. Welcome, Becca. Thank you. And Kate McGlinchey, uh, who is, her day gig is economic development manager at the Old City District, the business improvement district here in Old City. So welcome, Kate. Thank you. They're here as uh, members of the uh, Young Involved Philly board. Uh, Becca is the uh, president of the board and Kate is on the board uh, as well. And they're here to talk about the, uh, the state of YIP and the signature event of YIP, which is the state of Young uh, Philly. Uh, coming up soon. So, uh, so Becca, just fill us in a little bit about the the state of Young Involved Philadelphia. The, what's the organization about? Of course, you know, we go. You know, we're big fans <laughs> of yours, and you've been great partners on this podcast. But bring us up to speed about uh, the state of the organization, where things uh, are, and where they're headed. So Young Involved Philadelphia, as you know, David, um, focuses on engaging young citizens, connecting young Philadelphias to civic groups, and representing young people by opening up channels of communication with business leaders and and city officials. Um, So what we really try to do is focus on providing resources to people, um, so allowing them to connect with the organizations who are doing the good work in the city. Um, So, you know, issues from home buying to redistricting to create how to create a socially conscious business um, or how to spark a movement. So we really this year have tried to take some of these issues and continue to um, talk about them and break down ways that people can get started. How do you get started? How do you advocate for yourself um, in the workplace? Um, And can kind of continuing some of the the themes that we had last Mm -hmm. year with women leaders. And how many folks do you reach? So our reach is about 10,000 on Facebook and, and email list. So we have quite an active um, community around us. And we have about 50 or so partners that we work with each year, partner organizations and nonprofits, um, including some city offices as well. And then our board um, is certainly supported by a huge community of volunteers yeah. who help us throughout the year make those events happen. And I'm going to say you've been around for 15 years? 17 years. 17 big years. Yeah, okay. this year it'll be, it'll be 18 when we have our fundraiser this year. Wow, it's great. It's, it's great. truly a great organization. So let's talk about the upcoming uh, cavalcade of events around state of uh, uh, young Philadelphia. Kate, sort of what, what's, on, what's on the lineup? What are we doing here? So we have a total of 25 events over 10 days. So there's quite a lot going on. Um, we're particularly excited about an event that we're hosting, local leaders growing from grassroots. So it's going to be a panel about people who sort of led grassroots movements in Philadelphia, help people figure out how they can do that themselves, 
And like, so you can just start a movement wherever you are. You don't need to be an elected official. You don't need to be rich, anything like that. So we're very excited about that. I mean, this is, I'm sure, a question you get asked often because there's a lot of uh, interest in the, uh, you know, the possibilities for political participation in the millennial population here in Philadelphia. But how, how do you all play this political game? One of the things that we try to do is work with partners who take some of those issues and, again, break them down in an easier-to-digest for, you know, format. So um, whether it's uh, working with C70 and draw the lines to, to talk about redistricting and understanding those issues, how people can get involved, um, food access, volunteering in the community. Um, so trying to find ways to be able to connect them to easier entry points um, and having them understand what the next step and the next step can be. So if people aren't prepared to start their own movement. It's like, what are the organizations that are out there? What questions do you have? How can you learn from their experience? Um, and, you know, when it comes to running for office, I think people feel like if you don't have a lot of money um, or you don't have a ton of time, you're not able to contribute. And that's definitely not not the case. So working with the right partners who who can break down those issues and, and share resources. Sort of a guide through the forest, among other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Kate, get, get another uh, couple of highlights from the uh, upcoming um, State of state of Young Philly. What's What else is going on there? Sure. I think we have a good mix of sort of new events and then returning hits, I would say. Um, so Draw the Lines is coming back with their uh, Bar Games for Democracy event, which is always quite popular. Um, Committee of 70 will be doing a Why Harrisburg Matters panel, which I think is great. Just as a Philadelphian, it can be hard to realize how Harrisburg impacts our daily lives. So I think that'll be a great one. Quick promo on that, uh, because, yep, we we are involved in that. Uh, that will be featuring uh, State Representative Chris Rabb from the Northwest uh, and State Representative uh, Donna Bullock, both of who are, uh, I think, emerging uh, potential stars in the firmament. And um, also featuring Joe McLaughlin, who is the director of the uh, – um, regional Institute of Politics here at Philadelphia, who knows more about Harrisburg politics and Philadelphia politics than I, 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 than I just about anybody around. So it should be should be a good event. Um, and what do, what do folks get out of this? Like if you if you come, like how does this change your life? <laughs> well, I think it really provides you an opportunity to connect with the organizations that are already doing this work. So it's sort of ways you can plug in. Um, we have a lot of sort of activity-focused events, including when we're volunteering on TAP, where you will actually be volunteering with organizations in Philadelphia. So I think it helps young people plug into ways they can get involved and ways they can make a difference in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And what are you hoping for turnout uh, for the collected events? Like what, what, how many folks show up? Um, I'll let back answer that one. <laughs> Thousands. Um, last year, uh, we actually saw 2,000 people throughout the course of, of that 10-day series. Um, some of the tickets are, are obviously paid, but a majority of them are free or low cost. Um, and 2,000 people, that was double what we did the year prior. So we're really feeling positive about the energy in the city um, and being able to have events. Like you can bike, you can bake, you can play bar games, um, you know, but you're learning about some of these issues that are the most debated in the city. Um, So we just want people to, number one, understand the issue, know how that they, you know, how they can get involved and then take some action instead of just hearing about things. Yeah, I like the emphasis on doing, you know, that there's Mm -hmm. something you can do right away. Um, I was reminded that, um, you know, uh, Yip and the Committee of 70 shared an award a couple of years ago, of which we were quite proud, mm-hmm. from um, one of the uh, Geek Awards from Geekadelphia, yeah. which is sadly no longer. No longer. But um, for this great event we did on uh, council, the uh, council candidate forum, and uh, 
that was a tremendous event. Uh, so, you know, I always thought you, you guys bring a very uh, kind of creative approach to the events that you do. So the who, what, why, where, when on State of Young Philadelphia, Kate? The events will be running through October 20th. They're throughout the city of Philadelphia, Center City, Old City, West Philadelphia, um, up near Temple, all sorts of places. Um, if you want more information, we recommend people just go to our Ticket Leap, which is soip.ticketleap.com. You'll see all the events there. You can register for them. You'll see all the details. It's going to be a great week of events. That's great. And what's the uh, the YIP website, just so folks remember? Sure. It's younginvolvephila.org. Okay. I have to ask, this is the final question, but probably the most significant, uh, which came up in the earlier part of our conversation. What's your take on Gritty? <laughs> Good, you know, bad, otherwise. As a as a Flyers fan, I love him. Um, I love him even more because other people hate him. You know, I think that's just who we are as Philadelphians. All right. Hey, are you a contrarian or are you with the program? I think I've I've come to love him just the same way. As as more people hate him outside the city, I have to love him more. I don't know if Gritty talks, but uh, maybe he could be a future guest. Does he talk? I don't think he I talks. Don't, I don't think, think so. Mascots generally don't talk. I don't think so. But it's like out of character. But. You know, don't tell us that we need a mascot. If you do and require it, this is what we're going to come up no. with. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, Kate McGlinchey and Becky Cable, thanks for joining us. Hope everything goes stunningly well with State of Young Philadelphia, and we'll see you out on the trail. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, just rushing into the studio from Shimokin or Coriopolis or Conshohocken or whatever is my friend and colleague and the director of the Draw the Lines Project, Chris Satulo. So tell us what you've been doing, running around the Commonwealth, right, preaching so, the gospel. So we have launched the Draw the Lines PA Project, the Civic Education Engagement Initiative um, that aims to slay the gerrymander. Um, launched it in September, and since then... My colleagues and I have been on the road. We've done events uh, everywhere from Erie to Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, Harrisburg, uh, State College, Philadelphia, around the suburbs, Allentown, all over the place, uh, trying to let people know what we're up to, that um, we've got a digital mapping tool that's free that they can use to draw their own um, constitutional congressional map. Enter in our contest to win prizes that go up to $5,000. That's a lot of money. It is indeed. And most importantly, share those maps with their elected officials so that they'll know that somebody's paying attention to this uh, redistricting issue, and they'll know that the people of Pennsylvania are ready, willing, and able to do the job themselves rather than leaving it to the most self-interested people in the room, the incumbents. Uh, and the deadline for submissions of the map yep. to, to win valuable prizes is? December 14th. The contest okay. is open, began a couple weeks weeks ago. We've already got some of our first entries. More than 200 people have started maps. If you want to do a map, go to drawthelinespa.org. Just click on the button that says draw a map and follow the instructions and you're off and running. Great. So this actually ties in well to the reason that uh, Chris is in the studio right now, which is to talk about a long-standing uh, civic irritant uh, and a cause that he has championed over the years. Uh, which has to do with the phenomenon known as the Philly Shrug. What's the Philly Shrug, Chris? The Philly Shrug is uh, when you see something happening um, in your city where 
elected officials are failing to do what they should do, or even worse than that, stealing the money that should be devoted to a cause and spending it on their own their own reasons and their own corruption, or simply, you know, the garbage doesn't get picked up, the pothole sits there for, you know, ever. Things just don't work the way they should, particularly for people who are paying 4% of their income to the city to get things to work. There's a kind of... Um, resigned anger. It's not an anger that drives towards change. It's not a throw the bums out anger. It's kind of a like, what are you going to do? You just sort of shrug and go. It, it always reminds me, different city, but always reminds me of the end of the movie Chinatown. Chinatown. Where the guy says to Jack Nicholson, it's Chinatown, Jake. You know, there's <laughs> nothing you can do. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Uh, actually, there is plenty we can do, and the first step is in uh, giving up the Philly shrug and changing it into the, you know, the, the Philly intent to change. I know yeah. that's not very dramatic. But uh, essentially, there's a lot of things that have happened to make this city better in the last 15 or 20 years that the smart guys, the smart money always says, there's no point. You know, it's Philly. It's just the way the things are. Uh, we know, very few people know this, and traveling around the state, I always bring this up, and no one outside of yeah. Philadelphia knows this, that this city I has, know where you're going now. has the strictest campaign finance laws and the strictest ethics laws for its city council and mayor of any city in the United States of America. And it also has one of the most active and strict boards of ethics that enforces those rules. Nobody knows that. But actually, there's been plenty of corruption still in Philadelphia. It is still Chinatown, Jake. But all of it has happened outside of the territory covered by those rules, which is city council and the executive branch. And I should say, because you were a part of that, thank you to the Inquirer and the Inquirer Editorial Board, and thank you to the Committee of 70 for helping to make that happen. So it seems to me that is is part of the the antidote or the inoculation or pick your metaphor for – uh, the Philly shrug is to recognize it like we actually can do stuff and that we have done stuff and we'll continue to do stuff. So Yeah. So, you know, the Philly shrug certainly greeted all, you know, the fervent editorials and columns we were writing in the choir and all the work that, you know, under Zach Stahlberg and others, the Committee of 70 did around this issue. Um, but we kept reminding people, you know, to make change in Philadelphia, all you need to do is get to nine. Nine votes mm-hmm. out of 17 on city council. Just as in Harrisburg, the number is 102 yep. and 26. Those are the numbers you need to, to make change in the Senate and uh, the House. And it can be done. It has been done in significant ways. And the biggest impediment to it is that shrug, that belief that there's no point. Why try? Yeah. Keep trying, keep plugging, and sometimes great things happen. I always go to the if you see something, you got to say something kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And it's not just contingent upon, you know, the great and powerful folks at the Committee of 70, but it's like everybody's job to, if you see something, say something. Which leads me to, you know, topic of today is once again sort of wither millennials' uh, political involvement, engagement. Uh, you and I both have been here long enough to see successive waves of folks uh, blunt their swords in some ways on uh, changing the the political culture. What what's your take on the young involved Philadelphia folks, the kind of folks that we had today, the Buckholtz fellows, the sort of activist millennial uh, types? Uh, they they're the grounds for hope um, because it starts out with they love this city, they chose this city, they weren't forced to live here, they came here because they wanted to. And where they are in their neighborhoods, they're building neighborhoods that work, and they're building 
cultural networks that work, and they're worried about the environment. And, you know, every once in a while, maybe some people our age get annoyed by it, but they're putting bike lanes everywhere because they have a vision for how this city is going to work. And I love it. And the difference with this generation, I mean, this has actually been going on, you know, Young and Ball's been around for, I don't know, 15, 17 years. 17 years. Yep. That first generation, there were people who had tremendous uh, energy, they had social and environmental conscience, but they had pretty much given up on politics as, you know, a lever for meaningful change. And a lot of what they tended to do was at ground level. They were founding organizations and nonprofits, and they were doing, you know, often great work. But rarely did their efforts cohere in anything that drove systemic change at the level we needed to fix the schools or take care of the really big issues. This group is different in that they're looking at the Democratic Party. They know this is a one-party town. And they see that there's billions of dollars that's controlled by Democrats who get elected. And they say, well, what if people who had our values and our social and environmental uh, justice goals were actually controlling the levers of power in the yeah. city? And they're trying to build patiently towards that. That is really a big change. Yeah, it is. Well, and we were talking about your former colleague, Elizabeth Fiedler, who's running mm -hmm. for state rep uh, in November. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, as, as an example, it's like, I can do this. I can run. Uh, also reference uh, the podcast episode of A Few Back, where we talked to Ali uh, Perlman from Philly 3.0 about the surge of interest in people serving in uh low-level committee spots and opening up wards and so forth. So it feels like productive political ferment, huh? Yeah, I have a, a, a somewhat apologetic anecdote to tell about Liz. Um, Liz and I, you know, worked together for years. I was her boss. We're very close. When she decided to run, she called me up and said, I want to talk to you about something. I thought she was, like, leaving WHO. I want some work. So I showed up. We had coffee somewhere. She was there with her little baby son, who at that point, her second child, was two or three months old. She says, I'm going to run for state representative, and I spent the next hour trying to talk her out of it. <laughs> Shows how much I know, right? But by the end of that hour, I knew that she had thought this through and looked at it from every angle, and she really knew what she was doing. Yeah. And by God, she went out and Yeah, and it. by all accounts, just poured herself uh, into the race and kind of good old-fashioned, you know, uh, knock-and-drag uh, operation and uh, sounds likely to be uh, – representing her uh, community in Harrisburg. Yeah, talking so. about grounds for hope. That's yeah. another thing that gets me up in the morning thinking we're yeah. headed in the right direction. Yeah. All right, Chris Satulo, thanks, and uh, good luck. Thank you. Well, that'll about do it for Episode 34 of 20 by 70. Let's roll the credits. Great thanks to our friends here at Kelly Writer's House, uh, the Wexler Studio on the Penn Campus, who are back in action after some renovations this summer, and particularly to Zach Cardner, our engineer, uh, our producer, Joel Patterson. Uh, also, a special shout-out to uh, our friends at WXPN, Roger LeMay and Mike Vasilikos, who were uh, so accommodating this summer to allow us to tape at the WXPN studios uh, while the Kelly Writers House renovations were underway. Uh, thanks to my friend and co-host and colleague, Chris Satulo, who's off uh, drawing lines across the Commonwealth, as we discussed. And uh, we look forward to uh, our next encounter with all of you, episode 35, topic to be announced. But in the meanwhile, of course, expect more Philadelphia. You ever played quarters? <laughs>